You're listening to The Sourced Property Podcast with Stephen Moss and Chris Kirkwood. Hello and welcome to The Sourced Property Podcast. Let's get straight into the news and this week Steve and I were going to be talking about gazumping. Now if you don't know what gazumping is, it's um, a process whereby you go to purchase a house, you agree the sale price, everything is going through, you start your conveyancing and then a higher offer comes in through the estate agent and the seller accepts that higher offer thereby warranting everything that you've done as completely useless and you are now out of the race to, to get that property. But when we were thinking about this, it dawned on us that this has actually happened to a member of the Source team. So instead of Steve here for the introduction this week, I want to introduce you to Emma Riley, who is our marketing manager. Hello, Emma. Hiya. Was it last week? It was last week. It happened to me, yeah. Wow. Okay. Obviously, some questions come up from me, and that is, when I go to purchase a house, I always seem to build up a good level of rapport with the estate agent. And it never really dawns on me that that's going to happen, because the estate agent always, to me, comes across as quite a trustworthy person. Now, before this happened to you, were you in that same place? Did you think that you could trust the estate agent? Yeah, definitely. They were really nice, trustworthy. I knew that the house had been repossessed, so I knew that they were just looking for as much money as they could really but in a way we've felt a bit misled with the estate agent in the end so it's not been a great so the reason the reason that we're talking about this is because there was a survey done which is why it's in the news and 55 percent of people hate that this is something that can happen this is why i'm reading it out because i was surprised at how high that percentage is because i didn't think so many people would be affected by gazumping but you're definitely not alone yeah. which probably doesn't make the whole process any any easier for you no <laughs> so how far along the conveyancing process were you so we were literally a few days from completing i'd say maybe a week away from completing um we'd had our surveys done the day after we got gazumped we got the surveys back it was, what, two weeks down the line? You'd, you'd started two or three weeks previously? Uh, yeah, about three weeks. And the seller wanted a quick turnaround, so we had everything in place. So they had called all the shots and then let us go last minute. Presumably, because you've got your surveys done, that means that it's cost you some money as well. Yeah, we've spent about £1,200, so we're really not happy. I can imagine. So is there any obvious recourse? I know you're going through this at the moment, so we can't go into too much detail. Yeah. But say this happens to somebody, is it a case of, oh, well, we need to go to the property ombudsman or the PRS, and they have a department that specifically deals with gazumping, and we can try and reclaim our costs back from the estate agent. Is there any sort of set process that you can follow? Well, I have looked at the property ombudsman and kind of looked at their advice so I'm just going through a complaints procedure at the minute because the way it happened with us, we put in an offer and when we put our offer in, it went to final bids with somebody else. So at that point, we thought final bids was final bids. So we didn't think that we could then get gazumped, especially when we're days away from completing. So we feel like we've been misled a bit. At the same time, we, we do feel like it wasn't explained to us very well through the estate agent also and one of the methods that i've seen that i've been researching is how to stop this happening is to sell your house through the same agent so obviously from the agent's point of view they don't want to annoy you because you know you're uh, an income stream for them as well however however 
my house was up for sale with the same estate agent so I've now took it off the market because I'm not happy with them we were only selling our house because we really like this property it did need refurbishment it did need a lot of work but we thought this would be a good challenge for us but obviously it wasn't meant to be so looking back at the whole situation now what would you do differently I think I'd question the estate agent more I'd make sure it was taken off market and I'd speak to the guys here at Sortmore and get more knowledge from them. Yeah, and just go in with more eyes wide open, really. So really what strikes me is that there's not a great deal you can do. There's no process that you can follow. There's no security you can put in place. You can just just get gazumped. So I'm all for this ban. You're part of the 55%. Yeah. (laughs) So from my point of view, I think the tip would be in this actually the first question that I asked you when you came in and said that this had happened was was the property off market and it wasn't it wasn't ever taken off market which is where these other guys found it from so I think looking at this whole process that would definitely be the top tip get your property off market if you're committed and spending money to purchasing a property then there's no need for the estate agent to continue to market that property it also saves them time because they don't have to do any viewings they don't have to answer the phone Um, you are going through that conveyancing process so so long as you keep that conveyancing process happen it's never going to get rid of the risk but I think it's a good way of reducing the risk in this happening to you. So hi, you're back with Stephen Moss. Thank you for that, Emma. Hopefully, uh, well, I know the next one will be better and I know it does get easier, so don't worry too much. We're here to support as always. So yeah, we're going to talk now about the main part of the podcast, which is setting goals and targets. So last week we talked about adding value to property. The week before we talked about below market value, building your portfolio with none of your money, which are both really good strategies. Once you're committed in the property sector, and once you're looking at building property and building your portfolio, I think it's really important to focus on uh, your goals, focus on targets, and making sure you've got the right mindset and focus in place. So one of the key questions is, how do you make sure you stay on track? And the answer to that is, you set goals. So we're gonna talk to Chris, and we're gonna talk, first of all, about what is the point? Why actually bother setting goals? Well, before we get into that, let's talk about why we've swapped this round this week. So as part of what I do for coach, uh, for source, sorry, as I coach the franchisees on how to set goals, how to set their targets, but also how to hit those targets. So uh, that's why I'm talking about it this week. And Steve is asking me the question. So you've got a week off, really. Why bother setting goals? It's a really good question because when you're really busy, you seem to have no time to do anything other than just work and just try and get your head down and get through the bureaucracy, get those tasks that you have on your task list done. However, taking time out to set goals can really focus exactly where you're going as an individual and also which direction your business is going in. It makes the time that you spend on your business much, much, much more efficient at hitting the goals that are important to you. So if you've ever heard of something called shiny penny syndrome, Steve? I've not, no, to be honest. Okay, so shiny penny syndrome, and it's particularly relevant in property, is about getting distracted by a shiny penny. Now in property, what that tends to be is a different strategy. So you'll commit yourself to a strategy. You'll start working on that strategy for say weeks or months. You might even invest money into it, but you'll see the shiny penny, which is a different strategy. And you'll think, actually, that's the one that I want to do. I'm gonna drop what I've done. I'm gonna drop this momentum that I've built up. 
and I'm going to go after that shiny penny instead. Now, what some people can be guilty of is continuously looking for that shiny penny. So they'll build up some momentum in, in one particular strategy, but not actually deliver on it. And then they'll get distracted because they think that the other strategy, the, the shiny penny, is going to be easier for them to achieve. They'll put some time into that. They'll do it for a couple of months. And then again, they'll get distracted by something else that they think is easier to achieve. Now, obviously, setting your goals and having a long-term plan will map out that in the first couple of months, it is going to be hard. You're probably not going to get much back. But however, if you carry on with that momentum in 12 months time, in five years time, you're going to get to the place that you need to be. So it helps to keep you focused. Another good reason for setting goals is if you heard of the saying, if you don't measure, then you won't improve. Now, setting goals makes you reflect. You'll put time into your diary where you're reflecting every month or perhaps every week on how far you've come, what you've achieved, what you need to achieve and where you're going. And so you're constantly measuring. Again, you've set the measurements as to the stuff that's going to be very important for you to achieve that you need to achieve to get to your goal. So you're going to be measuring what you've done. Now, if you're measuring, you can then look at that data and you can think of ways that you can improve on what you've done. And then finally, it's maintain focus. So you are going to be in this game for a long time. It takes a long time to make a success of anything. And so your focus is going to drift from time to time and therefore having that long-term vision knowing how what you do today is going to affect where you are in 12 months can really help you maintain your focus i think it's really some really good advice there chris particularly not just if you're a new investor but if you're already in the industry in the sector and you kind of hit a ceiling on where you are and what you're achieving i think it's great points to look at and review and actually let me just add something as well i wasn't going to add this but i will now when you're thinking about what you where you want to be in five years time now chances are you've grown your business you're going to be making a, a massive amount of turnover in comparison to what you're doing today and so you'll need to be a different person in that situation you too would have grown into that situation now one of the sneaky benefits that you can get out of this is that you can visualize yourself in five years as that person. You can see the decisions that you're making as that person. You can see the level of issues that you have to deal with. And no doubt they will have ramped up as well. Now, from today, you can sort of project yourself into that person to then get the benefits of having that growth without actually getting to that point. So you can see the decisions that, you've gonna, that you're going to have to make when you've got a team of, say, 50 rather than a team of two. Yep. and how you're going to manage them. And so you can take a lot of confidence that you have the ability because you can project yourself into that situation. So that's a sneaky benefit as well. Yeah, fantastic. Another point you mentioned there about the shiny penny, I think that's a really good one related to property because we used to call it the golden goose. So you find a lot of people that get into the sector, into the industry, chase the big deals straight away because they see the potential income. I know one particular year when I did a development the first time at the development consumed me so much for six months that I didn't trade any properties, I didn't deal with anything else. And then after the six months, it took me time to build up my pipeline, to build what I was dealing with. And at the end of the year, I'd achieved the same amount of results as the year before because I just chased that one big ticket thinking wow. that was the, that was the profit so and so through that through that period did you set yourself goals did you have targets for every different area rather than just that one big one no no not at all because I kind of had in my head that if I do this one development the golden egg at the end of that is so big and what I hadn't considered is actually over the 12 month period if I maintain what I was already doing and rather than be stressed and consumed by one development I'd achieve the same results so 
that, at the end of that year, that's what made me sit down when I'd done my accounts with the accountant and said, well, actually, I only achieved what I'd achieved the year before, but I didn't have all the stress and headaches and everything else of doing that development. So that was quite a big learning curve, and that's when I started to implement the goals and, and targets into my business. And I guess all of that stress came because you had all your eggs in one basket. We're golden, using a lot of metaphors eggs. today, aren't golden we? Eggs. <laughs> the golden eggs in one yeah. basket. That if that would have fallen through, you'd have lost 40, 50% of your income for the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's... You know, that's obviously one of the key things. We talk a lot now, particularly on social media, about having different types of income coming in. And that's obviously, for me, that's what's led to that because of the risks that I take with that one development. So, absolutely. And, and one of the things as well, you mentioned obviously about goal setting. And I know from my experience, I've only ever talked about goal setting when I walk into the office. So, for me and for quite a lot of people listening, goal setting, would you say it, it's just a business thing? It's something that you do when you, you get to the office and you, you with colleagues, etc. Or is it more than that? It's talked about in the, in the business context far more than any other context. When we're taking franchisees through their training, it is something that I present to them, actually, that it's not just about the business. When they come through the training, you know, they're obviously taking a, making a big life shift. They're going to be starting a new job, perhaps in a sector that they've never worked in before. They're making big changes. And so I try and encourage them to set goals in everything that they want to achieve results in. And then you can break down business as well. So your business could be purely turnover. It can be material possessions that you get because of your business. Um, You can set business on how much your business grows. Then as a person, you can go into personal development and see how much you grow as uh, as an individual. Um, You can set goals on pretty much anything that you want to. And do you think as well that the personal and the business affect each other? Well, from my point of view, and and like I said before, if you're going to be growing your business and you look at yourself when the business is being grown and who you are, what decisions you're making, how capable you are in that situation, you'll have grown as a person. Now, I think personally that growth as a person happens before the business growth happens. I think as a person, you need to be ready for it. And really, when you're experiencing stress, it's perhaps because you haven't prepared yourself for that business growth. And then the business is making demands on you that you don't feel ready for. So from my point of view, you need to grow yourself as a person in order to to be ready for all the extra growth that the the businesses and all the new stresses and challenges that the business is going to throw at you. One of the questions that I think a lot of people will have in mind is, okay, it's great to sometimes sit back, reflect and put these goals and targets in place and look where you want to be personally and with your business. But how do you keep on track of them? How do you keep these goals in mind so that they don't just kind of fall through the, the wayside you know one in particular obviously everybody does at the end or the beginning of the year new year's resolution and then what by the 5th of january it's gone quickly so how do you keep that in mind how do you keep it going gym memberships huh yeah i need to put some time into the diary commit time to the diary this is too important it is going to take a while for you to get through uh, especially the first time that you do your goals but then when you're reviewing them and when you're updating them, you don't need to update absolutely everything. You're just, you're taking less time out of your out of your day. Now, I think the efficiency that you get in setting your goals far outweighs the time spent doing it. So if you didn't set goals, you might achieve, you know, 80 things in a month. However, you set the goals, and although that's taken time, you might achieve 90, 100 things in a month. So because you remain focused, it makes you far more efficient. So my tip would be the first of the month or perhaps the, uh, the last day of the previous month put some time in the diary when you're renewing it's only going to take an hour or so so it's definitely worth it but put an hour in the diary just sit down review the goals from the last month and renew the goals for the upcoming month okay fantastic and obviously listening to this podcast we've got some lean mean property investment machines what advice would you give them in terms of do they just literally sit down with a pen and paper 
make up some ideas of where they want to be and just crack on or is there a more structured view no i definitely use a structure yeah um i use a structure so that it makes it efficient when you're doing it the first thing that i would do is come up with the categories that you want to measure so if you want to take business as a whole um category then do that if you want to break it down into income growth turnover if you want to do that then do that but come up with the categories that you want to measure then if you want to go into the personal stuff and materially what you own um, where you live your personal development if you want to break all those down then do so but start with knowing what the things are that are important to you that you want to grow and you want to measure so start there and then you go into a 12 month goal setting phase so you think about each one of those uh, categories and in 12 months time where do you want to be what do you want to have achieved now the really important thing at this step is to not think well i can buy one property a month so that means in 12 months time i'll have 12 properties you don't want to start where you are today and work forward You want to think about where you want to be without knowing how you're going to get there. Because this is about pushing yourself as well. This is about achieving more than you think that you can achieve. So let's say for argument's sake that you say, I want to have 20 properties by 12 months time. And the way that we set our goals coming up, you will then find a way to make that happen. So the first thing to do is, write down the categories, then think about where you want to be in 12 months time. So have you done that? I have, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm more of a sort of business goal target focused I don't so much do it personally and you know yeah I have 12 months six months and then three months and I work backwards from there so there's always a plan of goals that yeah in five years where we'd like to be approximately but I find that changes quite a lot and I think I'm sure a lot of other people listening will, will be very similar things change particularly in the property sector you can come across opportunities you know there could be new strategies there could be new products in the market to help you Lots and lots of different things like that. So I suppose really with what you're saying in terms of reviewing often, you can change, you can amend those sort of goals and targets to suit when you're doing the review as well. And interestingly, we're going to sit down in September. And we're going to go through a 12-month plan, aren't we? So we're going to go, go through exactly this process uh, next month. Yep, and we should share a bit of that with, on the podcast. Absolutely. Let yeah. everyone know how we've done. But also you mentioned that it's um, the five-year plan. And I do think it's a good idea to stick to a 12-month Uh, 12 months is your maximum goal because hopefully the way that we set goals you'll overachieve every single week on what you need to do so you'll need to keep ramping up so instead of those 20 properties you might actually find that you need to reset that goal at 25 because you've overachieved every week now if you do that for five years you're going to be rewriting that same sort of five-year goal every month for five years which I think is a little bit it's a bit unnecessary and from my point of view having a five-year goal wouldn't keep me any more focused than having a 12-month goal so having the 12-month goal I think is a good starting place yeah I agree and I think one of the points you've just said there as well which fits in so well with property is the fact that property to me is a numbers game it's literally so you can literally set certain targets so it could be how many viewings how many offers and you'll generate very quickly a conversion rate. And then from that, you'll be able to build your plan as well. So you'll know that, okay, if I do want 20 properties in 12 months, working backwards, this is how many I need to offer on this, how many I need to view, this is, yeah. and you can literally put those in place for your weekly targets, monthly targets, etc. So let's get into that then. So when you've set that 12 month goal, you then break that down and think where you need to be for each one of those categories in six months time in order to hit that 12 month goal. So again, it's not just purely the numbers of, if I want 20 properties in 12 months, then I need to hit, get 10 in six months. It's not as simple as that because obviously you're going to build up momentum. Mm-hmm. So you might start off by getting one property a month. But then as you build that momentum, you'll be able to ramp it up and your growth will be exponential towards the end of the year and you'll you'll achieve more and more month on month than you did at the beginning. So even though your your 12-month goal might be 20 properties, your six-month goal might be eight. 
yeah. as an example. So then when you've gone through all of the categories and you've done your six-month goal, we then break it down to a one-month goal. Where do you need to be at the end of this month in order to hit that six-month goal, in order to hit that 12-month goal? So exactly the same process. Again, your growth is going to be exponential. So don't just make it a sixth of what you were, what you said you were going to do in six months. And then you need to get really, really specific. So, so far, they can be pretty broad terms that you're operating in. But then we need to be really specific and come up with a plan of what exactly you're going to do day on day for the next two weeks. This is really breaking into the minutiae of what you need to do in order to hit those bigger goals. Now, the important thing is when you're setting all of these goals is you've got to be very, very specific. First of all, you've got to state it in the positive. So you can't have any goals that are saying that you're not going to do something. It needs to be very positive and you are going to achieve. And also you need to be very straightforward. Use as simple language as possible so that your subconscious, your unconscious mind has no way of sort of wheedling you out of the situation, but still sticking to the language that you had. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure there's lots there for our listeners to, uh, to take on board, to put into place for a plan for their property journey. So thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. So this week's top tip following the goal setting is that we have a goal setting template. It's a beautiful PDF that was designed by the marketing team and it has all the right boxes, or it asks you all the right questions. It keeps you focused on what you need to do to write down your goals. And I'm happy to give that away. If you do want a copy, send an email to podcast at sourced.co and we'll share it with you. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Visit sourced.co for free training videos and blogs. 